da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. All right, it's Spielberg time. Feels good. Feels great. Feels like we're back to a little bit of normalcy here on the movie side of things when Spielberg is back to doing Oscar stuff again, guys. Feels mm. great. I did not think he would be remaking a Best Picture winner to enter his name to the Best Picture category this year. You know, oftentimes he likes to you know make a blockbuster and then do something on the side while he's editing said blockbuster to enter his name into the, the Oscar campaign, but... This is a, a different story, which we will talk about today. The West Side Story. Welcome in. I'm Kent. It's Mad About Movies. I'm here with Brian and Richard. Make sure you're following everybody on social medias and following us as well on social media at Mad About Movies. And the Discord is for VIPs, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. This one was talked about a lot over the weekend. Oh my goodness. The What I'm Watching channel on our Discord Every five minutes, every five minutes, somebody was posting. I'm watching. Yeah, here's what I'm watching. Say, West Side Story. It's unbelievable. I feel like, I feel like Mad About Movies is responsible for about half the yeah. box office takes. <laughs> Seriously, so. I was pretty it. shocked that this. I know. I mean, it's weird. It's hard to call anything a, a bomb in this day and age where you know variants exist and and confidence in theaters mm-hmm. and just the routine of the theater is is not what it was. But this did way worse than I expected. Yeah, surprising. It was surprising. I mean, uh, we gotta we gotta recalibrate things, you know. Sure, I mean, totally. we do, but but and and it's gonna take a while until we know what that really is, yep. um, and what the standard totally. is or isn't. But but yeah, I'm I'm with you, Arby. It's it was uh, it was a surprise to see it as as low as it as it ended up. There's not much competition out there in terms of like. I think it's just people don't go to the people yeah. aren't going to the movie. I, 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 mean, I think they to, they will you know, if if the if yes. there's something worth pulling them for out properties. of their their house yeah. floor. Right. Uh, properties are going to be the, as the thing. Right. And we talked yeah, about this uh, this weekend when we were deciding to go see it, and we were talking about you know who what the audience is going to be like. And I was like, I think it's going to be mainly olds. You know, like what the olds come come <laughs> out for this. They did in my theater. It was mainly that's what mainly what it was in my theater. It was it was me, uh, two couples of olds, and then a couple that I nicknamed the Chattersons because uh, maybe we'll get to their story <laughs> later. <laughs> Why well, nickname them that? But yeah, it was it was a heavy like people who remembered I think the sixty one movie and wanted to see this one. I don't think this is bringing anybody new to the theater because I think it's a, you know no name actors essentially. Also, mm-hmm. Elgort's still pretty niche actor. I would say he's got a following, but he's not like Tom Holland or anything like that. So, and Rachel Zegler is a new a new actress, and you know no kids care about Spielberg. So <laughs> this one was tough. It was a tough sell. It was a tough project for them to, you know, it's an ambitious thing. Like why would, why would they want to do this? So it's, um, it's not one that I expected to like make a ton of money, but again, I'm, su- I'm surprised it made it as little as it did. Yeah. I was thinking like 20 ish million. Yeah. Was sure. Probably where we were going to end up. We got half that. Just right? given all those things. Cause I think the selling point on this is musical and, Remaking of a mu- of like one of a the time, classic a timeless musicals, ones. You yeah, know, yeah, a timeless like one of the first musicals. When when you just ask people on the street, hey, what's a musical? Uh, you know, they oh, they usually yeah. this is going to be one of the ones that gets mentioned pretty early. It's so, one that doesn't have so like a little a, lower than expected. Doesn't have like a weird kind of spin. You know, a Cats is like 
musical, but they're they're dressed like cats, mm-hmm. or, <laughs> right? You know, it's or Is Hamilton. It's like yeah, mm-hmm. but it's rap. But if they're in the seventeen hundreds, <laughs> like a weird yeah. kind of spin on why it's successful. West Side Story seems like a very basic musical. <laughs> A very yeah, approachable it is. It is. musical. It's a traditional yes. Broadway yes. musical. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I feel like this one was- The selling point is great songs. Right. That's it. I, I mean, feel like this one yeah. had the widest appeal of a lot, of, a lot of different musicals out there. A lot more than you could remake. Maybe, I don't know, like Wizard of Oz would be a big one to remake. They just straight up did that again. You know, obviously Grease would be huge. They redid that again, just straight up with the same songs and everything. And same cast. Same cast. I'm sure they. I'm sure they would do it again. <laughs> they look just as much like high scores as they did in <laughs> they did. They were the original version. The original. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the weirdest I mean, thing about it's that not one. Not any more ridicu- ridiculous. You knew it was made in the 70s, where they're like, "Oh, this is a movie about 1950s high school." Well, we need the Bee Gees to do the theme song for sure. So the Bee Gees <laughs> do this like disco theme song to Greece, and it's it's a good song, I but it's just it. very very of the time when you look back. Uh, Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they've tried to remake a ton of times. So there's only Mm -hmm. like a few that sound of music. It's obvious that a few that were just like in the fabric of American society that I think could draw a crowd. And I think West Side Story is among those. And that's surprising that it's like not 10 million bucks and yeah, it'll probably win some awards, but certainly not going to make a, make a lot of money, especially internationally. This probably has zero appeal. I would think, but I don't know. Maybe it does. Yep. It's, I mean, that's pandemic box office, man. Yeah. It's just, we're going to, it's like I said, it's going to take a while for us to figure out, not us because we're idiots, who cares, but for the industry to figure out what's a good return, what's not. And what's what's really tough about that is this was paid for five years ago. The amount of promo they did for this was (laughs) insane. I mean, this was, they did. See, I don't think it was, I don't think it was advertised very well. Um, and I, I think that was a little bit of it, but I, I don't think much. I think I'm it's with all Brian. I didn't see anything that. on this, but I mean, that just yeah. shows, though. I mean, the, how segmented we are as audiences in terms sure. of advertising, right? That like mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. Kent's algorithm was or what he's into and watches, he was seeing a lot of this. And this is a mass population kind of thing that, but I didn't see. But I mean, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. What and not only Brian, like what what's a good return or not, but like what I think we're learning what should go into theaters and not. And like, I get it. Director yeah. X, by the way, Spielberg, the most successful director ever. Right. You want your movie to be seen on a screen, but do you want anyone to see it? Whereas, yeah. you know, it, it, we are in this mode and I, I don't know if this is forever, but we're in this mode where, you know, movie theaters are for superheroes and shoot 'em ups right now. And mm-hmm. if it's not one of those two things, then yeah. what, I don't care if it's, yeah. if, Quentin sure. Tarantino and Spielberg and Martin Scorsese made a movie together co-directing. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it doesn't have like, if it's not an existing property with a big movie star in it, does should that should probably be on Netflix yeah. like <laughs> or whatever. And, if, and yeah. if you do, you know, if you are Spielberg and you're like, no, I want my movie to be seen in movie theaters, then it's going to be like, cool. The budget on that yeah. is like 50 million, not a hundred, right. maybe 40 million, not a hundred million. That's, yep, that's exactly. what we're dealing with. I mean, Spielberg is still at the point in his career, and he is extremely lucky. And, you know, I talked about the promotion of this because I saw ABC 2020 did, and I know it's this movie is owned by the company or produced by the company that owns ABC. You know, it's a big, one big, uh, you know, circle of life, if you will. But, you know, he said he's extremely lucky to still be basically 
in 2021 be at the point where he can do whatever he wants and make any movie he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And he was like, ah, I want to make a musical. But which musical? I want to make West Side mm-hmm. Story because I love West Side Story. So this is essentially just Steven Spielberg wanting to do this. And he's wanted to for 20 years. Project. Right? Yeah, total passion project. And, you know, you see a lot of his movies super inspired but this one feels like a just a direct homage to his childhood mm. and that experience of watching that movie, which is perfectly yeah. fine. But it's just a different approach that I'm used to him taking. Mm. Uh, and I think that's all good and well. But again, he's at the point where he needs to know that like he can't pitch this as like the theatrical experience of a lifetime because it's just no one's going to. They're just are unless it's Mar- Marvel, whatever it is, you know, Avengers Endgame. There's just not you can't sell mm-hmm. that to people. You can't sell a musical yeah. as as a theatrical experience right. anymore. I just don't think you can do that for sure right now. But not five, maybe not five years. ago. And like, how many this year? I, in I'm the with Heights, you, that, that one flops in the theater too, didn't it? Or it was on HBO. Yeah, as well, it didn't, do, didn't well. do well. Part of that was the H. Yeah, I mean, it was the HBO Max thing. I think. I mean. You're right. Musicals don't do great and traditionally at this point, um, and that's something too. But I, I imagine when, when the studios meet with Spielberg for this five years ago, or yeah. whatever, 2018. You know, yep. they say, "Look, it's going to cost us a hundred million dollars to make this. Um, we may not, we're not going to make a ton of money on this. Maybe we won't make any money on it, but it, it won't lose money. And we're in the Spielberg business. Yep. We're good with that. We're fine with with taking a small hit." If we make a movie that is going to be, you know, close to the black and um, gets a bunch of award nominations and yep. it gives us a chance to make a movie, so we're we're totally with it. And it it's helps just, the prestige brand of whatever yep, we're trying exactly, to do. Exactly, exactly. There's a certain at a certain point, it is worth totally. losing money if you're doing all these other things. It's just if you're that, losing ten million versus nine. Exactly. Right. It's just that this was made pre-pandemic and released in pandemic, and it's everything is different now. Everything is different. Yeah. Now. That that pitch meeting goes completely differently. In 2021 versus 2017. It it does, Brian, and you're totally right. It's unfair to have that. But I think of this like same cast and whatever, and it is directed actually by like a lesser director. Mm -hmm. Then it gets bought by, you know, Paramount Plus in last October for $100 million. And then they're good. But because it's a prestige director that goes, I want this to play in theaters, and they have to listen to him because, oh my God, not only is it a prestigious director, it's the mm-hmm. preeminent director of our lifetimes in terms of right. making money for studios, uh, that they have to go, all right, and then we'll just hope this kind of hits. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, it's I totally admirable artistically. I get the, you know, it, you know if you, if you if you put out an album... And demand that it's only on vinyl and uh, it will not be sold to Spotify and you're not going to tour it. That's mm-hmm. great. It's going to sound awesome on the 11 people that buy <laughs> yes, only the exactly. vinyl. But good, like, good comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, uh, that that's well within your right if, you know, the Beatles get back together and do something like that. But, you know, not as many people are mm-hmm. going to hear it. And that right. happens here. And, and like you said, Brian, that's not anyone's fault, really. It's just we we are inventing this new reality and it's like hour by hour sometimes like maybe if this came out a month ago before omnicron or whatever Mm -hmm. i say it wrong every time then maybe it makes 15 million instead of 10 and and, you know it's Mm -hmm. just like a whole it's a whole thing we'll see yeah maybe 
once they realize, you know, they give us a couple more weekends, maybe they just throw it on Disney Plus. It's a surprise. <laughs> yeah. I think this has a wide be- appeal, like for families and stuff. I think this has, this could be a totally. big, a big yeah. good player. Like, I think people need to see this, but I just don't think like any first timers are going to go pay to go yeah. see this. Totally. But I do and think it- it's one if it was on Netflix or whatever, it would get a lot of play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We saw that with, with Disney Plus, you know, two summers ago. That was like the last time we all watched a musical together. And granted, Hamilton has a lot more cultural relevance right now than than West Side Story in 2020, mm-hmm. whenever that was 2020. But then when they were like, hey, Disney Plus, July 4th, Hamilton, it's going to be out. And everyone watched it, right? And that's kind of where these kind of movies should exist now. Um, but, you know, that's that's when, when you have a, a cinephile director that still wants to, and by the way, who's in his seventies, who wants it to kind of go the own way and has made you, you know, he's how much money has he made studios? You're not going to be like, no dude, this is going on Peacock, brah. <laughs> West side Peacock. And so yeah, like, it's yeah. not, you have to be okay. Well, uh, <laughs> there has yeah. to be a studio that is going to sign up for the Steven Spielberg streaming business. Like they, somebody has to be smart enough to, to, I think Netflix is partnered with Univer or Amblin, didn't they? Didn't they have a deal with Amblin? Uh, it's but, just gonna. It's Meg Whitman is negotiating it, so we'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, to me, it makes sense. Like for some company to just say, "We want to be in the Spielberg business. We will fund any movie you it do Netflix, with yes. the yes. understanding that when it comes out on streaming, it'll be on our platform. Like that's it. But we'll put them out theatrically as well if that's something that." said movie requires mm-hmm. i think that would be a super smart yeah. investment for the studios to to do that and maybe, maybe but he's like ready player one that. didn't do very well either either you know it's not like he's been a while mm-hmm. without a huge hit but like his hit hits i mean his like popcorn movies are not doing right. jurassic park business like they used to yeah. and so that's right. a so whole- he should get his money <laughs> From he Netflix, should. Like the, he should get the the Ryan Johnson. Here's four hundred million to go make two two twenty <laughs> yeah. million dollar movies treatment. But he, yeah. he he's not gonna do that. Is the thing, and so like a studio, it, it's a tough investment for a studio to do that without mm. you know because that's gonna eat up. Even if you have a streaming platform, the budget he wants to do these things out are gonna eat up two months of your releases on the streaming. It, it, and you're and you're also gonna have to fund and market a theatrical release. I mean, Ryan Johnson being whatever he is, 30 years younger is probably much more beneficial to that. And that those kind of movies are perfect for a streamer. I, you know, Spielberg kind of works in these, in these two worlds where he does these huge pop culture, uh, pop culture moment movies that aren't doing as well as they used to. But by the way, the next one could be the biggest one ever. I'm not, yeah, sure. You know, yeah. disparaging no, that. I, I, um, it's always on the table. Right, totally. Or he does, you know, some Oscar-y thing normally with Tom Hanks and, and tries to do that. And both of those, he has, like, the leverage kind of to, to require some kind of theatrical release. And it's like, I get him wanting to do it because who cares? He has a billion dollars. But, like, mm-hmm. at some, I, you know, the studios are going to start getting some cold feet on that unless he's more flexible than yeah. he has been, which he doesn't have the to consistency be. consistency yeah. of him is unbelievable. I mean. Other than the post, but yeah. Yeah, but like the box office return. I mean, like a, a Spielberg hit, like if it's nominated for Best Picture, like it's going to make, you know, I think it's going to make money. You know, like I feel like 
they may uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but like a movie, I don't know, like Lincoln would make as much as like a a bigger budget one for him would. Yeah, I mean, pre COVID, yeah, great on both pre COVID, right? Yeah, in a normal world, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so I think, I, just, I, I, I think like there's there's still so much upside to to him, and this is yeah. proof, I think. I, I think that that what, and then we we need to get yeah. into the movie. What the deal that that Amblin has with Netflix, I think, is kind of the best of both worlds because it's like I th- think it's it's two movies a year that he's going to make, quote unquote, produce. Mm-hmm. That he's going to produce, and so it lets them tap into. We're going to get the first rights at the Spielberg movie, whenever that may be, and whatever that may be, mm-hmm. and whenever. Um, and he has a you know an insane an insane track record as a producer. So the stuff that comes through Amblin's house yeah. is now going to Netflix, or at least is they're going to have an opportunity to get it. And so you can get those series that are going to make you know hey only on Netflix. This series that everyone's talking about for one week, those are going to be there for them to to grab. And if he makes the big blockbuster movie, that they can feel like cool. We can we can promote the crap out of this. Okay, awesome. And if he makes a little movie with Tom Hanks, like you said, yeah. Richard, then it's like, cool. All right, we're going to do this. We're going to give it a one-week, two-week two theatrical sure. run, get the Oscars, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it kind of gives him the opportunity to continue to say, give me some money, if not all the money. I mean, Scorsese got what, like $250, yes. $280 million? Yeah, he could get more than that. that. He's the That's most when they were successful. Yeah, guy. maybe. But sure, but like, that was in the more of the Wild West of the streaming yeah, where they're sure. trying to for establish sure. the credibility of the whole notion of streaming when that deal's right. cut. But right. like, look at his last 16 years of movies, right? Munich, Crystal Skull, which doesn't exist, Tintin, War Horse, Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, mm. BFG, The Post, Ready Player One, West Side Story, and then this Fable movies, which is like a real personal small movie. Like, mm-hmm. even in a COVID world, none of those yeah. movies bring in a billion dollars. Like, right. I mean, maybe... Did Ready Player One do that? I mean, it, it did okay. No, it didn't. Not, no, not like they, they were all, made all that kind of money. But they, they were all, all did fun, fine. Were, but in yeah. the COVID world, those are making nothing in a theatrical yeah. release. I like, think it's more those. about credibility, too, for these. Maybe Indiana Jones would, but. I think it's more about, you know, the marketing of it, too, to say, you know, like Netflix's whole thing is having a no- movie nominated for Best Picture and how important I, that is to them. You totally. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. But for sure. not at $100 million. I don't think even mm-hmm. with their because like those those days of you know it's like any tech company the days of them spending three hundred million on a Scorsese movie or whatever that that worked by the way like that movie was good mm-hmm. and all that but like it really like kind of broke the you know it, it made it where those kind of movies could exist purely on streaming um, with a small theatrical release so like it did its job as a like marketing investment, but I don't know if those investments are going to be there in five years or three years or whatever. Yeah. Cause it's like yeah. now, now we're just a studio. So we have to figure out and our business model is totally different because it's subscription based. Mm. But if right. we give Spielberg $200 million, unless it's a big Jurassic park or something people are familiar with, we're not, that's, we're not going to get that back at all. You know, it, it just, mm. it, in, unless we, you know, it's our tent pole for that quarter, which the right. canon should be for a streamer. But the getting any of that back in a theatrical sense, I think now, unless unless it's Steven Spielberg directs Captain America, um, mm-hmm. will be hard. Yeah, yeah, or Jurassic World five right. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then mm-hmm. heck yeah, I mean those are what the theaters are made for now, and they might be back to where something like this, and obviously we'll use this to transition back to the movie, is making 
30 million and I hope it does. And in two years, I hope Mm -hmm. these make, you know, this makes 30, 40 million and it's opening weekend because that's what people are used to doing that. But we've broken the pattern of like, uh, we got nothing to do on Friday. Let's go see a movie. What's out? Oh, West Side Story looks Mm kind of good. Like that doesn't exist right now. It's just like, I love Spider-Man. I'm going to go see Spider-Man the day it comes out. That's the only stuff that's killing in movie theaters right now. Yeah. Mm Pre-ordering tickets and things like that. Yeah. The one Spielberg property that, would be the Netflix dream. Obviously, they're already doing the this kids show, but Jurassic Jurassic Park is an Amblin property, yeah. I believe. Like, I don't know when that Universal deal expires, but mm-hmm. they need to throw a billion dollars just to get the the IP to Jurassic Park. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, Universal, you can keep the theme park right rights to it, keep your ride, all that stuff. But we get the movies and future projects. That, that sure. would be really cool. Um, so, yeah. yeah well, the, Peacock may not exist in like a year. Exactly. So they'll have yeah. that Don't you say that with McGruber coming out in five days. It, but honestly, <laughs> if you're days. one of these. Oh, I forgot. They'll, that's going to say. If you're yeah. one, of these, uh, one of these established directors, Netflix would be the only company I would feel comfortable working with. Like, okay, they're probably going to still exist in 10 years. Like, Peacock might not exist paramount yeah. plus all this type of stuff might not even exist yeah. netflix is gonna I mean, still be around right they're gonna probably shift their business model and stuff over the years right but it'll netflix be or disney yeah, yeah. or disney yeah. i mean I'm, i think hb the, the hbo and apple have a lot of credibility just based on the business you know whether this whether apple plus exists in five years or hbo max exists in five years that may be i don't know we'll see but you can at least feel like, hey, they gave me a ton of money. I made this thing. And now that movie that I made for Apple Plus now exists on streaming platform A in, 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 instead because Apple Plus not. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, But I definitely would not be – I probably wouldn't be chomping at the bit, champing at the bit for you know a, a Peacock deal or a, a Paramount Plus deal. Sorry, Shane. Um, yeah, I think because some of these things are going to die. There's, it's just – Yes, 38 projects in – in uh, <laughs> development right now as a producer, so we'll I mean, he's an unreal producer. It's unbelievable. I, I look, it's oh, not yeah. like it's. I'm sure there's, there's most of them are remakes of his old movies. He's got he's got a color purple remake. He's got a a Gremlins, another Gremlins coming down the pike. He's got a <laughs> uh, a ten ten, another ten ten. Apparently announced, and then Indiana Jones has been delayed again, but it is being filmed or they've shot part of it and he's rebooted animaniacs he's rebooted tiny tunes <laughs> he's doing he's going back to the well man and he's people this he's the also a genius at knowing yeah back. he's a genius at knowing when to get out of the directing part of yeah it. just be like oh i'd rather just get the money for that honestly yes, put my name on it. my name right. is that'd be cool thanks so thanks transformers movies yeah all right, there's our our general spielberg talk we got that out of the way we're sorry usually we <laughs> say that for the end uh but so in, in terms of his approach to this, I was like, oh, is he going to do it in like a Spielberg way? Is he going for a straight remake here? What was it? And so the opening scene, you know, the atmosphere shot, which reminded me of Ready Player One a lot, uh, the kind of opening shot of mm-hmm. what are they called in Ready Player One? The stacks. It reminded me of that uh, tracking shot. But, uh, you know, the jets doing the little snapping thing it's like straight out of the first one okay i'm like okay yeah he's going for straight remake here mm-hmm. and i was in yeah. I was like, okay well, let's see what you got spielberg and i thought the orchestration of the music was absolutely gorgeous for this movie i mean i didn't realize how beautiful the score was let alone the songs because i know the songs are beautiful but the score itself is oh, it's, the is fantastic and 
I mean, guys, this is just another case of let's just watch the master at work, just goat yeah. doing goat stuff. I mean, <laughs> the camera work in this is unreal. The set design was such a perfect blend of feeling like real New York, but also feeling like a studio backlot, <laughs> which yeah. the original one kind of had that charm. And I think he realized that and didn't want to take that away from it. Uh, specifically, you know, Maria's out on the balcony and there's just a straight spotlight on her for no reason. <laughs> Little touches like that were great. I love Spielberg's ability to cast a movie is truly extraordinary mm. to find the right people to do it. And to something I wrote in my notes is his ability to find faces. There's so many interesting faces and he does so many tests with actors where they're just looking at the camera, not saying anything and doing various moves with the camera around them to see how they look with different lenses and things like that. And I mean, this movie is just chock full of just gorgeous looking people and great actors. And I was just impressed at the casting of this and how, how well it was done and how accurate it felt to the story. So that's one of my first observations. Yeah, it's immaculately made. I mean, the, it, it, mm -hmm. it matches, you know, the great thing about this musical is you have, like, the great American con con uh, composer, Leonard Bernstein, does the, the score, and then Stephen Sondheim, before he started writing words and music, uh, you know, does, does the words for this. Uh, and then you add all the, like, the Spielberg troupe of, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tony Kushner, the great one of the great playwrights of the modern era, um, Janus and all that. So like it's it's this incredible combination of masters at their particular thing they do, um, and yeah, this in the and it was incredibly well mixed. Like all the technique on this was was yeah. really flawless. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds like I'm setting up like I'm going to go, and everything else was terrible. I'm not, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean the you, there's no argument with with this may be, I mean, in a lot of ways, his most, I mean, maybe Schindler's List, like his most yeah. artfully sure. made film. It's it certainly, I looked it beautiful. up. And Schindler's List is his longest, and I think Munich is longer than yeah. than this, but this is one of his longest movies. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I, no, that's not, can't be true, because I'm pretty sure The Post was like 18, 19 hours long. <laughs> Felt like it to you? <laughs> yeah. Where's no, the I'm but? I'm, 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 I'm waiting for the but. This was worse There's than The no Post. No, 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 no. I like this movie. I did. I dug the movie. I really cool. did. Okay. Um, yeah. No, it's it's my favorite Spielberg in a few, in a few years. Um, as you guys know, I'm a little more up and down on him than than you. Sure. Uh, both, but I mean, I, I think he's a, a total genius. But yeah, no, I I love this, and I love you know what he does so well. He's such a. I think like, you know, when you have this type of source material and these type of artisans working on this thing, his. You know, yes, of course he directed this film, but it's like his production ability of piecing mm -hmm. that all together. His his skill is his a vision, just pure vision. Yeah, and for and, knowing and, what it is, like he has the yeah. he knows what the movie is before he's even shot a frame of yes. it. Yes, and so that was you know such a testament to what he has there and and how mm -hmm. he accumulates this all these incredible talent and then you know raises it to another level with his talent and skill as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, other than Ansel Elgort, it's a pretty awesome movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's yeah. the butt I, I spoke too soon maybe on the <laughs> knowing how to find talent because i was watching an interview with him talking about this and he said yeah i've seen ansel in a couple of things i saw him in baby driver and thought um he knew how to move mm -hmm. like he he looked at his 
movement to the music, I guess, in that for sure. uh, finding a part him for this. But he said he's just super charismatic and he's definitely a movie star. Like he actually said that. Hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if I agree with those two statements. Yeah, I don't know if he's super sure. charismatic and definitely a movie star. He certainly looks the part. Like he looks like yeah. a James yeah. Dean old school movie star. I mean, he's a he's a handsome dude. I think he hits his marks. I mean, but I don't get much from him. I would have liked a better a better actor. I thought this this kid um Mike Feist, yeah. who played Riff. Yeah, he steals the movie. Yeah, he's really good. Spielberg said he almost delayed the movie to to be able to get this guy in the movie because of how badly he wanted him. He said he just he saw him in something else and saw him dancing and just was like, wow, this guy's an incredible dancer. We need to get him for West Side Story. And didn't even know he could act. And they got him in front of the camera. And oh my God, this guy's an absolute monster. He's yeah. unbelievable. He stole the movie. Yeah, the... Uh... I mean, we're going to talk a lot, I imagine, about Rachel Zegler because she yeah. is incredible. But the the combo of of him, of, of Mike Feist, faced, I don't and know. And Bernardo, who, too. Who plays Riff, yes. And David Alvarez and Ariana DeBose, who was outstanding. Just outstanding. And then you got Rita Marino, too, just for kicks. Yeah. Um, that's... That's maybe where the movie, like... Get, I mean, that, at least from a casting standpoint and from a, an on-screen... I mean, like, gosh... The combo of the, of those actors, oof, that's awesome. Because Anita was awesome; she was fantastic. I would, I think, if it started today, I, she's she's a uh, she's very high on my supporting actress list. Um, and this kid was good too. Bernardo was good. Too. I mean, they were all really, really, really well cast and and very, very good in their in their roles, and just gave great support to to the mains. Um, one of whom was great, and one of whom was fine <laughs> so yes you know fine enough. maybe you cast the fine guy to make uh rachel zegler look better you sure know? i mean no, i also think <laughs> yeah like i think we're probably a little jaded on ansel elgort Wait, was too, it based Alden on aaron rick you know, or, or yeah, ansel the, the allegations and it, stuff i mean uh, i think that was, probably plays in a little bit yeah oh, i was gonna say did he's, you he's hear got the, some, uh, he's the got story of sus stuff too that, that yeah. rogan was telling about spielberg like he he was on set, or or he's talking about George Lucas. Like he went, oh yeah, to some set, and George Lucas visited the the set of Solo movie, and went up to Alden Ehrenreich and was like, "You're good. You're. I just want to tell you, nice to meet you. You're great in Baby Driver." And <laughs> Alden Ehrenreich was like, "I wasn't a Baby Driver," and he was like, "Yeah, you were." That's how it happened. And, and that's how it happened. And like. It was Seth Rogen said it was just so funny that George uh, Lucas was like Jedi mind tricking this guy. He's like, nope, <laughs> yep, you were in that. <laughs> He's like, no, I wasn't. Gosh. But uh, uh, so funny. Yeah, I always get it's a very Duchovny, Dermot yeah. Mulroney, yeah. Dylan McDermott. For sure, there's a lot of these. Taron Egerton's another one. It's mixed in there they somewhere. have uh he's got some pretty sus messages and stuff right with some underage yeah. girls right mm -hmm. and they're blaming the box office Hogwarts, on yeah. that but did people uh, was that i mean it's been out there but was that like i don't know if that really i don't think i don't think that had really yeah. too much to do with it <laughs> Literally, like if you google the, it right now it's yeah. like 
yeah. internet blames Ansel Leghorn for West Side Story <laughs> right. bombing. Yeah. West Side, you know. Yeah. Um, no, that's that, that's a. I mean, maybe there's a few people out there who are like, fans I'm not blame Ansel Leghorn requesting well, for no, Spielberg's yeah. West Side Story flop. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, okay, no, I'm not saying he's not a creep. Maybe he no. shouldn't have been in it, but I don't. No, think I mean, the deal is, I, I as out there as the, yeah, the internet like, assumes. I love Baby Baby Driver is just a fantastic film. My favorite movie of that year, whatever that what that was, twenty seventeen. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I can totally understand, especially given the movie that you're making. I can totally understand watching Baby Driver and being like, "Yeah, this guy, this guy gets the movement. He understands this." Like, I don't see the charisma that Spielberg says he sees, but I I understand. I think you can understand casting him in this. It's just, you know. He's not nearly as good as she is. Just he's kind of a up. monotone. I mean, just, he, he's kind yeah, of a whisper mumble guy. I don't like a mumble a guy, guy. You know? Yeah. 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 So. Let's talk about Rachel Zegler a little bit because Steven said that they put out the casting call on Twitter, that the casting agent posted a tweet. She said it was only up for a few hours. It like had a picture, a poster that said, you know, email us if you can sing and dance. Like that was the only thing. And they said they got 35,000 emails <laughs> and that Rachel Ziegler was one of the first people to email them uh, because she said her, her friend sent, it, sent her the tweet and said, thank me when you're famous. Yeah, well, <laughs> And so she's probably thinking that friend uh, multiple times over right now. But so Spielberg gets this tape and finds this girl who she was in high school. The last thing she had done was a Shrek, a high school version of Shrek the Musical. <laughs> she played Princess Fiona. That was like her extent of her, uh, I don't know, experience at that point mm. in her career. But they, but he said she was the first p- person that they brought in to audition, and she set the bar so high that they could like everyone else they brought in sucked. <laughs> so like they, she was the f- first person that emailed one of the first the first person that auditioned and got the part like it's like the stars all aligned yeah. and she's like authentic you know ethnicity and all of that it just makes perfect sense like she was born to play this role it feels like yeah absolutely i mean this is uh that part is so cool too and and this really is i mean in the great broadway tradition of revivals such a there's so much revived in this um you know, improved upon from the original. I mean, like you said, the proper ethnicity and all of that, the fact that the people singing are actually singing, right, <laughs> th- right. things like that are, is a nice improvement. We um, talked about that in Cats. Remember, I was like, just wait till West Side Story for, for yeah. some actual good singing in a musical again. And gosh, this one blew me away for the, the music Yeah, and these songs are just so, I mean, with the exception, Ellen and I talked about this, with the exception of I Feel Pretty, I mean, yeah. every song yeah. in this is such a banger. Um, we're not trying to talk through the songs and do this yeah. weird. No, they're big, brassy, incredibly yeah. well songs. composed. Song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Even it's hard I feel to pretty. This version of it, that's yeah, the best was, version of it ever. Sure. I mean, I, I'm with you. That song's terrible, but especially compared to the rest. But that's one of the first few. That's one of the few times that I've heard that song used in any capacity where I wasn't cringing the whole time. Even the original. The original. It's very cringy to me. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, I like the way Spielberg shot this movie. He either shot with a stre- extremely low angle, like the camera's basically a foot off the ground, or he shot it like from an extremely high angle. So it had this extreme epic, epic feel to it. I just yeah. loved his approach to how he shot the dance sequences and yeah. how he shot almost every big sequence, which was almost every scene in the movie is a, an actual... Mm-hmm. 
musical yeah. number or something. There's yep. maybe four or five actual just dialogue scenes in the movie, if that. Yeah. So, I mean, this whole movie is is a set piece, right? So his approach to that with his team of people, it just like it felt like a different crew. I mean, to for you to tell me that this is the same people that shot like Saving Private Ryan, you know, and did that mm-hmm. movie, it's like completely different. His versatility is unreal. Yeah, Absolutely. look, man, this is I mean, this is one of my fa- this maybe my favorite thing of the movie is uh Spielberg is just a master of his craft. And we all know that. He's this is like a <laughs> to me it felt like a hey, by the way, I'm still Steven freaking Spielberg over yeah. here with the the technical side of things. One of the things that I get a little bit annoyed with in uh, movies that are adaptations of plays or musicals or whatever is is when I don't like when the movie feels like a play, and and every once in a while that can be done really really well, and I and, I, and I'm like cool, got it. The 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 almost want to call it the gimmick works, yeah. But I feel like a lot of times when you're translating a play or a musical from the stage to the screen, directors sort of get boxed into making a play that shows on a movie theater yeah. screen instead. And you lose the cinematic value. Yeah. And it's like, well, that, yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, that's what it looked like in the play. And I'm like, cool. But like, this is a different medium. And, but I do at the same time, I understand you want to be respectful and, and pay homage to what you are basing your, your movie on and stuff. I thought that the, I think of a movie like Fences that Denzel did a few years ago that's like from an acting standpoint is incredible, but it just it feels so much like a play that it it's hard for me. It was hard for me to like get into the movie because it wasn't I wasn't I didn't feel like I was watching a movie. I felt like I was watching a play. It's a different thing. I loved how he all of these set pieces that you're talking about, Kent, the scale of all those mm-hmm. things, it feel it still feels like, it's like, like that's just like, just took a year to shoot this. Yeah, sequence. I mean, it, like the still, gym sequence. You, I'm like, they they just took can, a year. It you can like see it. why a movie like usually with a movie like this, I say, why? How in the world are you spending a hundred million dollars? This is one where you're like, no, I totally get it because yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. all of these Absolutely. scenes and these sets still have this like sort of outer edge looks, or maybe maybe I should put it the other way, maybe sort of the inner <laughs> the the center still feels like a play still feels like the stage, but the, the rest of it is so blown out because of the way that he works the cameras and because of the settings and the way that he is. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a beautiful film and it, the, the scale of that just feels like you're looking at, it's almost like you're looking at a stage that stretches, you know, into a real neighborhood or something like that. I mean, it's just a, it's an incredibly, I think that's a tremendous feat to be able to bring the stage to the screen like that and have it still feel like, an epic film at the same time. Yeah, I liked his... It's definitely tr- epic, for sure. Yeah, some of the little resho- shots, like the reflection in the floor, and his camera choices, his staging is blows my mind. I, I always admire it, and I go back and watch his movies for those types of things. I liked his choice of no subtitles for the Spanish, because yeah. I think if you had done that, it would have, I mean, you want to normalize Spanish in this country. You don't want to stigmatize it. So I think uh, movies like this and the overall message of them, I think it's just a great introduction to that culture or things like this. And um, you don't want to make it seem foreign by putting subtitles on, on Spanish. So wanted to comment on that. I liked the red belt and lipstick from, you know, the mm-hmm. original Maria too. I think that's mm-hmm. it's an mm-hmm. iconic look. 
Again, the dance in the gym sequence just looked amazing. The dancing was so flawless. The music, <laughs> incredible. When they go behind the bleachers, the lighting coming behind yeah. through the bleachers was, oh, I was just like, can I, Steven, can I chill, about, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know. Can I tell you about my terrible theater experience? Yes, uh, I'll tell you about mine, too. Yeah, it revolves around this. So we get there. The uh, the movie starts. My wife and I went to see this together. And um, the... <laughs> Happy belated birthday, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For her, not me. Um, I So you can celebrate me later, please. And and you must. VIPs yeah, especially. Um, no, the, the... So the movie starts. It's that great... The shot that you were talking about, Ken, where we're kind of coming in to, this, to this, the, uh, the slums and all this stuff. And the the jets come out and they start snapping and the audio is off from the video. Oh no! And I'm trying to decide: am I going to go complain about this or not? Is it going to figure itself out? You know. Um, and but my wife cannot handle this. Lindsay has like hearing issue, and so she reads lips a lot, and that's impossible when it's doing this bit. So about ten, maybe ten minutes in, she gets up and goes and complains, and so they come in. And they turn the lights on and say, hey, we're sorry. We're going to restart this thing. Um, just give us a second. So they, the, the screen goes completely black. They bring it back up. It's It plays for about 30 or 45 seconds. It goes black again. And it's out for maybe two or three minutes. And then when it comes back on, it missed that whole scene. Oh, it missed no. the whole dance scene. You got to replay, So it right? jumped ahead. So I was like, I mean, I've seen this movie, so I know what's happening here. But like, it basically jumped from... Him talking to uh, uh, Rita Marino about whether or not he about this this uh, this his thing with Riff to you want to fight you want to go at the end of the dance sequence just miss this whole section of the film it's like well uh, that's a bummer because that was a pretty important part of this whole thing yeah so wow. it was fun we got a refund at the end which is cool but like yeah. I mean they handled it well what are you gonna do but but uh, we just missed this like five five minute section of the movie and it that's a pretty important portion yeah. of it. <laughs> I think the weakest song for me was the Maria song in the parking lot with that Ansel was like Maria. <laughs> that one, yeah, that one was a snoozer. But I think the America song is is a hit. I think they should. I think that one can do well. And one of my favorite personal favorites, because of obvious reasons, Officer Krupke. <laughs> that was greatness. Yeah, I loved up good. that. Yeah, and this, yeah. but. Let's talk about the actual drama of this because it's great. You know, obviously these people can sing; they're all pretty. They can dance, but I thought the acting was very well done too. Rachel Ziegler mm-hmm. can act; she she yeah. was phenomenal, especially towards the end. Um, and we already talked about the uh, the men in this movie. Anita was incredible too. Ariana DeBose Gosh. was yeah. Woo! That's an Oscar performance if I've uh, for sure. Ever yeah, seen one? Awesome. Yeah. And then, what do we think about Rita Moreno? I think that was a cool way to bring her. I think organically into the story. It didn't seem like a distraction, and it felt like a cool way to bring it back yeah. to the homage of. I mean, other than having the original music, right? I love that. I thought I thought she was a great. That was a great spot for her to be in. Um, and her, I thought her solo was great too. That was the only, mm-hmm. yeah. There was lots of great music in this, obviously. Um, that was the only one that like I got a little choked up. I thought she sang beautifully. That's such a beautiful song and stuff. And uh, yeah, I thought she was great. She was a good, really, really uh, 
that was a good way to kind of incorporate the original into this movie because she's great and it was a very good performance from her. Spielberg said he, they she she sang that on set like that was a oh nice live live performance they didn't overdub any of that so that's amazing yeah, I, and the movie gets really serious too you know the gun stuff and I mean yeah. the gangs it's the gang, gang violence, violence is yeah I mean it's a it's a love story at its core but also at its core it's a movie about mm-hmm. you know class warfare essentially yeah so really uh, I think they nailed, he nailed both sides of that. Pretty effectively, I thought. I love that the... I don't know if this was just my screening or not, by the way, so I meant to ask you guys this. When the Jets or whatever would speak to each other in Puerto Rican, that was, or not in Puerto Rican, the, they're Puerto Rican in Spanish, mm-hmm. uh, was that not subtitled for you guys? Do you no. remember? Because you kind of know what they're... Yeah, mine wasn't either. I like that choice. Yeah. No, that's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. none yeah. of it was subtitled. And that was, yeah. a, that was a clear choice by Spielberg. And I think that was a cool one. And I think over time... That uh, you know, we'll we'll know more Spanish because we'll see. This, we'll, I'll watch this 50, 50 more times, so I'll have memorized this whole movie. And yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's great. Mean, right, and the, the thing is, you're supposed to. You're just gonna have to figure it out based on context. And they do. I mean, it's a, it does a very good job of of conveying the context through. Um, and they repeat a lot of the lines in English too. Yeah, they do. But I mean, the like the conversations where Maria is is, is arguing with Bernardo and they're they're jumping back and forth between Spanish like you, and it's English. It's like you know what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Whether you know like when Ricky exact is, words is or not. Yeah. Going nuts and I love right. Lucy. It's like you don't even yeah. doesn't need to be subtitled. You know the context yeah. of the right. situation. No, it's, it's great. And I mean, truly, I mean very 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 genuine, very organic to what the reality great. of what that would what that life is and would be like, you know. For a lot I would of have loved it if the movie was in all in Spanish with only subtitles. I think that would have been great because because Spanish is such a beautiful mm. language to me sounding. Yeah. You know, I I agree, but I do think you if you do that, you the songs lose, have to be in English. So, yeah, I mean, the songs. Need, but but beyond that, you kind of lose. I think the authenticity of these people. This is a group of people that have immigrated to a different country and are trying to, mm. especially in 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 this period, are trying to assimilate themselves into. Right. Society. And so they are, I mean, like Anita telling him over and over, hey, you got to speak English is, again, is a very true and real thing. That yeah, when they're at home, they're there, only speaking so. to each other in Spanish and, and things like that. Yeah, I but they're not doing yeah. that. They're trying yeah. to learn English right. so that they yeah. can assimilate into our, you know, into the country and stuff. Uh-huh. And that is, I mean, that's spot on. So I, I thought, I think that you lose something if you go away from, from yeah. that back and forth. Yeah, I thought they brawl scene tension point too yeah yeah the brawl scene there was extremely well done it was shot i mean that shot that's in the trailer of them the two gangs just walking into the salt warehouse or wherever they have mm-hmm. the 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 throwdown it was great and i mean i thought i thought it was uh you know got a little emo there's some things happen people die and uh it gets real, and then we go to "I Feel Pretty" right after that. So it's a little, it's kind of a jarring mm-hmm. transition, but you know, it's true to the original, and that's and that's what matters. But it, it's the greatest version of that too. It, she For was, sure. she was a star there. And uh, then we get towards the end, and I wanted to ask you about this, Richard, and sort of how it compares to the original and the Shakespeare factor of this, and how how this is really Romeo and Juliet at its core the story it's a tale of all its time literally yeah well you know at least uh 
post, um, you know, Renaissance times or Middle Ages. Yeah, times. yeah. Um, tale as old yeah. as, as our time that we can we care about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, I mean it is a great. Job. I mean that's what's great about this play. I mean credit to the, this version as well for for twisting a bit, but really sticking to you know the the real message and and everything of this play is like um it's a it's a uniquely classical piece of work and it's literacy and everything but it takes it and it has the great american art form of the musical and the you know in the in and kind of the what all that entails narratively not just music obviously but the the the, the way we kind of reinvented <laughs> the narrative with that it, it merges the two together um that's what makes west side story awesome it's one of the great you know, pieces of, of American work all the way through and, and, and ends, and, you know, it ends appropriately as well. So yeah, no, I, I, I would have been mortified if they had like really gone crazy changing the ending more, sure. more than they did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Same. I thought they nailed it. This one was pretty long though. It was long, long, but the I mean the play's long, and you don't. Yeah, plays probably four hours with (laughs) an intermission. You know, one of those types of things. So, and I dunk on people for making movies too long, but like, look, I mean, this is like canon stuff you're messing with here. You can't cut out, Mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of songs on this. (laughs) You got to do them, and and if you're doing them, you know, the orchestrations are incredible, and you know, that's probably what adds a few minutes you know, over the course of the movie when you really do these big tug notes and these long pieces, but okay, that's fine. This is not a movie I'll get mad at for being too long. Right. So it's almost right. three minutes longer than the original. So yeah, it's almost not shot for shot, but as close as yeah. you can get for the, yeah. the time. Yeah. That's for all the over shirts, right? They got to add three minutes for a lot of over shirts. I did. People <laughs> no in the discord scenes, said they just couldn't wait for my thoughts on the over shirts. To be honest, I didn't really notice them that much in this movie. What I did notice was how super buff everybody was. Everybody was buff <laughs> because it was, you know, I guess the mid fifties in this movie. Yeah. So everybody, you know, everyone's working class, yeah. you know, you're working hard. Yeah. You're working hard. You're, you're, you're Zach Snyder was salt. a consultant. Talk about the dream team Spielberg put together. He was the uh, nutritionist on right. set. I mean, but this cast really felt like a Broadway cast. Did it not? You know, it some is. of the yeah, ensemble yeah, sequences, like yeah. it has yeah. that, that feeling of like yeah. you're watching a play and I like that. Like it wasn't just For actors sure. trying to do Broadway. Like absolutely. It felt like they cast everybody like the most, the best Broadway actors they could that are also movie stars, which was very, yeah. Cool. It really walks sure. the line of that. Yeah. yeah. Ex- I mean, excessively is not the right word because that implies negatively, but it's extraordinarily cinematic mm. while still feeling like, you know, I mean, that's to me, that's the great success of this movie. Yeah, for sure. For me, like watching this, I I don't recognize anybody pretty much except for uh, you know Corey Stoll and and yeah. uh, and and obviously Ansel. But uh, Levy, my wife was like, she knew all a bunch of these people from because she loves choreography and you know yeah. dancing and stuff like that. So there's a whole bunch of people. She's like, oh yeah, I follow that guy on TikTok or um, I think Mike Feist on. was in Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, yeah well, recently can't wait. Um. Gotta finish that. He's gonna. He's. This will be. He's very good. Yes. Yes. He. He will. He'll be around. There are several people who I think are now uh, on the radar. You know, for uh, for movies, not just for for Broadway or, or or whatever else they're doing, and and they will have opportunities. And and he's one here's, of them for sure. Here's a movie he's doing next. 
it's called The Man Who Saved the Game. It's about he plays the guy who basically starts the pinball revolution 35 years hmm. ago. So he, it's like a like a video game biopic type of type of hmm. movie. But he's hmm. got a lot of potential. And a question for you, you know, Rachel Zegler is obviously going to be a star. She has been cast in Snow White. That's 2023. The new Shazam 2023. This movie makes way more if it's post Snow White, right? <laughs> like it, that's going to be it her coming out a, party yeah, to the to the public. Right. They'll be like, "Wow, this this girl is awesome." Yeah, it definitely is a face to put on the poster, if nothing else. Oh, and sure. That, or maybe at least an alternate poster because I think the poster art for this is actually pretty decent. In a, when most posters are not these days, yeah. but Spielberg has good. He always has good yeah. posters for sure. Yeah, but like the 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 prominence of the of the Puerto Rican flag and stuff is is fantastic. But yes, if so maybe for to our detriment, just people who like movies and movie art and stuff. Like, yes, I think you're right, Kent. If if this comes out in 2024 or something, it's like a big old picture of Rachel Zegler's face, probably yep. on the poster, and it makes more money. But it's after a, that Shazam money comes in, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yep. She'll she's going to be doing just fine, and we know Ansel or Alden or whoever it is will be doing. Doing just fine too. So, what do we think about awards? We already talked about the Globes with this one mm. this week. What do we think, Oscar wise? You think this one will be a big player? I think Spielberg will get a nomination yes. for this. Things like that. Yeah, I think this will yeah. crush in the technical awards. We'll see how bad the opening box office hurts the momentum of it. It could hurt it a bit, but I don't mm-hmm. think it'll be much. I think. I look. I think this will be nominated for everything. Yeah. I don't know what how much. And I don't mean this as a critique. It's just more stuff to come out and see how, which way the narrative starts going in January if if it wins a lot of stuff. But yeah. this will have like 14 nominations, I feel like. Yeah, this is. I imagine this is going to get a lot of nominations. It hits so many of the boxes, mm-hmm. too. Yep. Even if it wasn't good, you'd be like, it's probably yep. going to get a few nominations just based on musical Spielberg remake of a classic. It's that no won. greatest showman, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but hey, that's just, this is me. That's how I think. <laughs> Well, no movie has ever won Best Picture that's already won Best Picture before, so this would be a first. Yeah, yeah. be kind of cool. That would be. I and yeah. it's a year that we talked about on the on our little Golden Globes. I mean, it's a it's a pretty open year. Yeah. So, um, I think that Licorice Pizza is going to do very well. Um, I think I think there's several films that are going to do very well, but I do think that you are there's there's not a there's not a you know Goliath. Or something like that. There's not somebody that's just going to dom- There's not a movie that's going to dominate every category and things like that. So it's going to be, there's opportunity for a lot of films, but I would be very surprised uh, if this didn't end up with, with, you know, a handful of nominations at least. Yeah, I would think probably the most yeah. just because of how deep it goes with the. Yes. Agree. Know, agree. I would probably bet on this being the, the overall leader in, in yeah. nominations. At this point, I don't know. Maybe something will change that, but from what we've seen this year, so from what we have already seen, at least, I would be pretty surprised if something that we've seen got more than this at this point. I mean, yeah, because how many are they allowed to nominate Alana Hyam for? <laughs> exactly. Great point. Multiple, because if so, that might be. According to IMDb, uh, Licorice Pizza's at eight point five. This one's at eight point one. So. Mm. Uh, and that's the highest of the ones on here that are Oscar-y. Power of the Dogs at a 7, Being Their Crotter at 7.2, Nightmare Alley 7.8. I mean, this is just people rating it on their own. Right, but right. In terms of like generic hype, I think this is a good indicator. 
Licorice Pizza, you're right, and West Side Story seem to be the favorites among among the masses at this point. And yeah, yeah I think it, it's probably well-deserving of all the things you want to give it. I mean, sure, why not? Uh, here's the question, though, because this was a big topic in the Discord because of people were saying this. Is this the best movie of the year, hands down? Because we got a lot of that chatter afterwards. Wow, that was the, yeah, easily the best movie of the year. Was, uh, it's definitely was the best. That charge. It's the most well-made movie of the year. Inarguably, I think. But, um, well, yeah, we'll see. Oh, we haven't seen Lucas Pizza in a few others yet. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, but that's a different thing to me. It may end up being the best movie of the year sure. in my brain, too. But it's definitely the most well-made, like, professional movie. But. Sure. Um, but it's, you know, I, for me too, as I get older, like it's hard for me other than being moved by the songs, like mm-hmm. to really like mm-hmm. get invested in something that's so performative. Sure. Right. So it may not be that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's exceptionally well done. And, and, uh, if it, and these things are so subjective, the, the number one, I think we all agree on this, that the thing I qualify, if it's the best, one of the best movies of the year is like, if someone told me the best movie of the year to me was West Side Story. I would not punch them in the face. Right, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, yeah no, that's a good choice. Sure, yeah. Whether it was or wasn't mine, it's yeah. totally, it's in the realm of that. Yeah. No, Whereas think, if you said- Well, you, know, you did for when people were saying that about Joker. There are a lot of- <laughs> Yeah, but still, people are still calling charges. me. Yeah, people are still calling me randomly and saying, mm-hmm. you don't understand a part. <laughs> exactly. Right. And I'm with you and- we shall see. It'll, it could be yep. another big year for Spielberg. Well, maybe he'll, I'll get another one under his belt. That'd be that'd be cool. And it'd be cool to see for one that he's put so much effort into. Too. Yeah, this is not like a side. Sure, I've got six weeks off. Let me go make the post, and it randomly gets nominated for Best Picture because he's Spielberg. You know, that's not one of those. Like he wanted this to be good and big and and all of that. So if it's not going to be big in the box office, maybe at least it'll be big critically, which it already sure. is. Critics seem yeah. to love. Love yeah, this thing. Very little, something like very that. little negativity for sure associated with this. It's one, a hard you movie rarely to be see. upset about. You know, like yeah. I, it, it's you're never. It's very rare. To, obviously, very very rare to have like a hundred percent movie on Rotten Tomatoes. But this is the kind of movie that it's like. What didn't you like about this, man? Is it just that Ansel Elgort is in it? Okay, I get it. You know, otherwise, it's like I mean, it's a pretty pretty well made movie one way or the other. Even if you're like, eh, didn't love the songs, wasn't really into it feels like a pretty easy one to be like, yeah, it was a B plus, you know, just, yeah. just, that's fine. All right. Let's, uh, speaking of grades, let's hit a, let's hit a grade for this one. You guys ready? Yep. Hit it. Uh, given the difficulty, the execution, I'll go a plus. Nice. West side story. Nice. What about you, Brian? Very high. A very high. A for me. Oh, um, yeah, so I hate it, obviously. Uh, yeah. yeah well, no, I mean, like, I've always, I think the story on West Side Story has is, is always been a little bit, because I, I think, I love Shakespeare. I think Romeo and Juliet sucks. So it's a, that's a tough one. Um, just from a story standpoint, I think it was very, very well interpreted. It's Except Boz Lerman's version. You love that one. <laughs> oh, God. What a pain. Uh, I only like what's on the words on it, though. Yeah. Lord. Oh, man. That's like, English class in that era, such a beat. We had to watch that in school. Yeah, like, yes, okay, no. we know you kids are gonna. You hate love any, this any old one, so let's show yeah. you this one. It's right. like you no, guys are all Leguizamo fans, yeah. right? I'd rather watch. <laughs> I'd rather watch Christopher Plummer do this. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please, please. Um, well, whether you get a screen presence like Claire Danes. <laughs> 
cannot be. Yes, this is uh, anyway. This is an A for me. Very very high A. I imagine this is in the top ten of the year at the end of it. And I actually like it more having talked to you guys about it than I did coming out. So um, so that's good. And I missed one of the most important scenes of the movie. So. Thanks to the rave at Northeast Mall, but uh, yeah, anyway. if you'd seen Here Come the Jets, you would that might have been done A plus. Yeah. So, strong you, A for me. What about you, Richard? I'm with Brian. I'm going to go strong A as well. Nice. Oh, this one, this one, uh, sitting at four and a half stars on my five star scale. So that's my nice. A plus yeah. barrier. The four and yeah. a half to five that's, star movie. That's good. Yeah. Very little to complain about with this one, other than it's pretty beefy. You know, yeah. but again, you can't trim this one down. What are you going to cut? But, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Before we get out of here, let's hit a recommend. Weekly recommend. Uh, do you want to go first, Brian? Sure. Go for um, it. I'm going to recommend a book. Okay. I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure if this is a good book or just an enjoyable <laughs> but book. But it gets a recommend. But it's anyway. going to get a recommend because it was highly entertaining. Um, oh, Okay. And that is uh, Matthew McConaughey's book, Greenlight. Oh, you did the audio book, hopefully. I did. Yes. Yeah. Nice. I audibled this thing. He's the reader. <laughs> um, Like, half of this book can't be true. Like, it's got to be, he's got to be making stuff up. Um, But that's fine. Because he just reads it so well. I'm listening at like 1.3 speed right now. And... I thought that that would be a detriment on McConaughey because he just, you know, has that very slow draw on everything that he says. And but instead, after about five minutes, I was like, no, this is better because you still get the same like tone and and uh, inflection and stuff, but just at a slightly slightly faster pace. And it is incredible. It is an incredibly stupid but good at the same time book. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to uh, kind of hard to describe. But it's just him like talking about his life and telling weird stories and sometimes they i mean it's it it it's chronological but but sometimes he just starts telling a story that is super not chronological at all and sometimes he'll be talking about um like playing Wooderson and then he's it's just off on its own he goes on this little tangent with it and stuff and it's it's just highly entertaining so only do this if you're going to read the uh, the if you're going to do the audiobook because I think that probably heightens the experience tenfold. Um, I'm not a big like celebrity biography reader typically, but I have read two or three in the last uh, couple of weeks or couple of months, um, just because they seem like books that are sort of culturally relevant and and trying to knock out a few of those before the end of the year. And and this one I just I was just kind of like. I just would be like cooking and listening to this thing in my in my in my AirPods and just laughing to myself because it's just so, it's just very McConaughey. This is just probably the best way to put it. So, uh, Matthew McConaughey, Green Lights, uh, the audiobook exclusively uh, on Audible. And is, you, is the you are super bummed. You had to take a few days off work when he said he wasn't going to be the governor. Of Texas. Yeah. Well, so. that's just because it's like I'm so you had to take anywhere, your, you know, um, your McConaughey just, out somewhere. Yeah. Anyone who's not Governor Hot Wheels is is a, probably a, a benefit, but yeah, you know, that's <laughs> uh, that was part of it. But yes, I mean, it's just it's pretty it's pretty interesting, man. Uh, I think I think you guys. I don't know if either of you would love this book, but I do. I do wish you'd both listen to it so we could talk about it. there's just so many no strange, i watched like every interview so he did things. when he was promoting it yeah so i got a, i got heard a lot of the stories <laughs> and they're yeah. all great if you're into that you need to download the calm meditation app because i think he does a meditation on there <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. It's just, all right, it's time to go to sleep now. <laughs> I know he does I, a, an audio book for kids about the University of Texas called like Little Longhorns or something. And the local radio station here always plays it, plays the drops from it, you know, because it's just basically yeah. two hours of McConaughey drops. And he's he is a an interesting person i will say he that. is i feel he like he might be insufferable i don't know like he kind of i feel like I we're just like it, a, a second away from we're probably might never see this guy again either he's gonna move <laughs> he to the desert or he's gonna yeah. get canceled or <laughs> he's gonna gain too much weight for a role or something you know like yeah. he's just always on the line i think that's why he's kind of interesting but he's he is he's he's just a he's a strange character and <laughs> I don't know. I love Wood. I love. I love Wooderson, and I loved. I'm Dazed and Confused, one of my favorite movies. And so there's a solid like 30 minute stretch where he's just talking about Dazed and Confused, and nice. and how that that character comes about, and how it went from a literal one line character to being so central to what makes that movie timeless and great and stuff. And it's it's just I don't know. It's, it was is highly entertaining. Is all I'll say. So I, we need Richard Linklater to write a tell all because. His yeah. stories on finding like McConaughey and things like that are probably Gosh. amazing. I would love that. Um, I got to recommend, but if you're ready to go, Richard. Yeah, I, I can go. Okay. Uh, ever since we did Tinker Taylor last week, I've been on a Wakari kick. So uh, a movie I haven't seen in a long time, watched it over the weekend mm-hmm. and loved it. Um, uh, Most Wanted Man, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Wakari, mm-hmm. all that. Nice. Great it movie. holds up. Holds up great, man. I forgot how deep I was texting you guys. I think I forgot how deep the cast is because for some reason I, it was right when, you know, it was, I think it was Hoffman's last film, and uh, so that kind of ate the narrative. And then you, the whole movie, you're like, oh, that's right, Daniel Bruhl's in this, and Robin Wright's in this, and Willem Dafoe's in this, and mm-hmm. um, it just kind of keeps going and going and going. And I don't know if people just wanted to try out Rachel McAdams is in this, like. Right. Um, and there's not even time travel. I, I don't know if you'll just want to try out kind of European. <laughs> no, that's like, a subplot. You just didn't pick up. Oh, uh, I didn't. Get Next it. time you watch it, you'll understand. Got it. Yeah. Um, if people just want to try out German accents or what's going on, but uh, <laughs> it's a very deep cast more than you think. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a great movie, and uh, I think a really kind of melancholy, cool ending. And and uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, it was. I saw it in theaters randomly years ago by myself, right when it came out, and then like didn't think about it for five years and. Then I watched it over the weekend, and it was good. It was a good old coffee movie in the morning. Another Lacare one that we didn't mention in the Tinker Taylor VIP episode, by the way, which was a lot of fun with Mason the Edge Merritt as a special guest, was The Constant Gardener. I thought, yeah. I thought yeah. you'd yeah. be into this one because of Ray Fiennes' factor. Yep. That's That one I've seen more. I used to randomly watch that movie a lot, like – in college, I think I had a DVD of it or something. So I saw it probably like five times in four years and I haven't really watched it since, but yeah, that is a very good movie. Bill Nye. And that's mm-hmm. very good. Um, Rachel Weiss, Rachel Weiss is always awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to recommend a documentary that I dove into over some coffee this morning. I was, I was waiting for my first meeting and I saw this pop up. And I avoided it, but then I looked at what it was. I was like, oh, I need to I need to watch this. And it was getting great reviews. It's called United States of Insanity. Yeah. And it's about I, the uh, insane clown posse. Is it awesome? Dude, so good, man. I can't um, wait. This I've always been fascinated by ICP and just lyrically? 
yeah, just <laughs> what they're all about. But just the fact, anything in music, and it's not just them, a, a lot of bands, some I listen to, Gorillaz, uh, for example, of just doing the complete opposite of what is the expected thing and then having that become massively popular fascinates me because their music is just the complete opposite of anything you would listen to. Right. And it, it's just like this mass of community more than anything that they've built. And it doesn't like kind of matter what the music is because it's about the community that they've built. And, and I mean, the documentary is more about the FBI classifying them as a gang and how they've done, you know, essentially less than like a lot of sports franchise, you know, fan bases criminally and things in the name of their team or whatever it is. Right. So it's a really interesting look at them. It follows them around a little bit. They're really honest guys. If you've ever listened to them on like Howard Stern or anything, they're, they're totally self-aware of like the whole situation and they, you know, they know it's a, it's a, it's kind of a bit that they do, but um, I've I've always kind of been fascinated by the, by their business savviness of of the whole operation and how it all kind of came to be and um I don't I don't love their music at all never never really listened to an album but I just find them fascinating from like an outsider's perspective I guess but check yeah. this out United right, States of Insanity do. it's got the cover of the uh, documentary is um is the Lincoln Memorial uh, painted as a juggalo so that's all you need to know. <laughs> Crazy. Great. A lot of good music docs this year. I feel like I have like 10 I need to recommend. Have you guys watched the Kenny G one yet? Haven't yet. Haven't yet watched that. Haven't yet. There's a lot the of Atlantis one was good, though. I, I, I did. I dug, the, I dug that one. That one was really I love solid. Atlantis. That was a good That's that was a great a, record. I like that man. one better than Woodstock 99. Woodstock felt like it yeah. was trying too hard to be, be a hit piece. important. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that too, but... Um, no, I mean, the, just talking about the negativity of the the uh, event which my, is very negative yeah my gripe with with the woodstock 99 one more than anything was that they sort of opened that door and then okay cool and moved on and that bothered i was like if you're gonna yeah. I, I think that's a i may have said this on a previous episode but like i thought that was a a very reasonable thing to bring up and the connection is pretty strong and they just sort of mentioned it and then moved on to back to fred Durr stuff and i was like well i mean that's fine back to but, wesley morris yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah so, I, think I mean, these, I like that one fine, but the Alanis, the Alanis one was really good. I, I dug it a lot. These, yeah, these music box docs have been really fun, um, in their little self-contained nature. The Kenny mm -hmm. G one is quite polarizing. I did not know what to think the entire time I was watching <laughs> this. He's a very interesting individual. That's all I'll say. But fun teaser. All right, that's it. We've got more for you this week, though, on the VIP feed. If you want to hear us talk about. According to the Academy, the best silent film of 2011, The Artist, we will discuss it and decide once and for all, is it? Because I watched all the silent movies of 2011, mm, and same. I'm ranking them. There's a lot. There was like 400. Extensive list. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But more than you would think. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks for listening. Make sure and follow us and subscribe for more movie talk because it's Oscar season. We've got a lot more coming up for you. But hope you enjoyed West Side Story in this convo. Again, sign up for that Discord, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP, and we'll see you soon, hopefully in the summer. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe 
me, I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed down and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. 